This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Tuesday afternoon, June 21st. It's the first day of summer, and man, does it feel like it. The Kellogg Company plans to split up its businesses. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now, sales of existing homes fell in May. Let's break down the numbers with the help of Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Gus, thanks for joining us today, and the housing market is slowing down, but that's almost like saying a car at the Indy 500 is slowing down after uh, going through a straightaway. That, that's right. The housing market has been very strong and has been a major contributor to economic growth since the recovery from the pandemic started. But now with mortgage rates going up and housing becoming less uh, affordable, it's not surprising that we're seeing a bit of a cooling off there. Now, you hear a uh, housing market is starting to go down, and a lot of us are all veterans of the 2008-2009 uh, uh, housing bubble burst. Uh, what is the difference between this downturn and, let's say, other downturns that turned out to be apocalyptic? Um, the, the big difference is, is that the, 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 the housing run-up was not nearly as uh, strong this time around as it was, uh, you know, in the 2000s uh, that we saw, you know, 20 years or so ago. You know, we've had modest growth in, in uh, housing starts, but the housing market is still undersupplied, uh, so there's still a lot of demand out there for housing. And then also borrowers have been better in terms of uh, fewer subprime loans, higher loan-to-value ratios, things like that. So we don't have the same structural imbalances in the housing market that we did in, let's say, 2008-2009. And if if you are an existing homeowner and you may want to uh, tap into some of your home's equity, uh, do you have to be concerned about the potential of the paper value of your home uh, going down because of the housing market cooling off? You know, we may see small house price declines in some parts of the country, but uh, generally I think the likelihood, you know, last time around we saw a 20% decline. That's not going to happen this time. Uh, we may see prices stabilize. We may see a decline in the uh, low to mid-single digits. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, borrowers, if, if they have enough home equity built up, I think that they should be okay. What would this mean for the economy at large in terms of uh, if the housing market's cooling off, housing starts are cooling off, uh, Uh, You don't have uh, nearly as many uh, construction workers on the job going to uh, big box home improvement stores to buy supplies. Is is that going to uh, is that a, a leading indicator of a larger slowdown or is there just simply enough work for uh, workers to do that uh, that slowdown may not come for a couple of months or maybe even a year? 
Yeah, I, I think we will see a gradual slowing. I mean, this is the way that the Federal Reserve works. They raise interest rates. That slows interest rate sensitive industries like housing. Uh, you know, we'll start to see it show up in the job numbers later this year in terms of construction, employment, and so forth. But I still think that there are enough strong pockets in the U.S. economy, particularly the labor market remains very strong, that I'm hopeful that what we'll see is a slowing in economic growth, but a not an outright recession. And then as the uh, housing market slows down, um, what are we going to what, what does the inventory look at look like on the other end of this how, hot housing period compared to the start two years ago? Um, you know, inventories are still pretty low. Uh, you know, we have you know we've seen stronger home building, but uh, there's you know we've been undersupplied in the housing market for a decade. Uh, you know, even now with the slowing in the housing market, we only have about 2.6 months of supply uh, per uh, home sold. That's very low. Um, so I still think that you know the underlying uh, market is a bit undersupplied, and that also will help prevent a larger decline in house prices going forward. Gus Fauche, chief economist. PNC Financial Services in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, a shakeup is coming to Kellogg's. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Kellogg's, which has a corporate presence here in Chicago, making some changes to its business structure. Let's get the details from Nick Raich, CEO of the Earnings Scout in Cleveland, the website EarningsScout.com. Nick, thanks for joining us today. Kellogg's is splitting into three separate entities. Uh, Which one will remain legacy Kellogg's and what are the uh, businesses that are getting spun off? Well, the main bread and butter of Kellogg's is the snacks business. So Think Pringles, think Cheez-Its, Pop-Tarts. That primarily is the main revenue driver and the growth driver of the company. That's going to be uh, headquartered in Chicago still. And then uh, spinning off the second part of the company, just the cereal, where there's been no growth. So think Tony the Tiger, you know, Frosted Flakes, Raisin Bran, and the like. Um, And then the third part of the business is very small, but it's the plant-based growth, so the Morningstar Farm brand. Uh, breaking up the company into three, the company's probably trying to unlock value where it's the proverbial, uh, the sum of the parts equal more than the whole, because this is a stock that's gone nowhere over the last five years, uh, literally flat. So is this simply a case of uh, Kellogg's is going to uh, stay, they're going to retain the snack business and then the uh, legacy cereal brands and uh, the plant-based brands will go to somebody else to try to either make them grow or make them work? Most likely, and uh, they don't even have names, uh, even for the three breakups. But yeah, the bread and butter, uh, the main CEO is going to stay with the snack business, and that'll be stay headquartered in Chicago. And then, uh, why is it that the cereal market uh, has been so uh, slow over the last uh, couple of years? Is just uh, tastes have changed? Uh, uh, you know, what's what, what's going on there? It's a little bit of that, and a little bit more products, more different variety, more. Different places, fast food, have opened up breakfast, so there's more options. Uh, so it's a, a whole host of things. Uh, and the de- demographic uh, also playing a, a role. So it, it, in a nutshell, there's been no growth. It's, a, it's a, almost a zero-growth business right now for Syria. So it's a, it's a good business, but it's it's not growing as fast as they would like. It's, it's certainly as fast as the snack-based business. Kellogg's is going to uh, keep the snack-based business in Chicago. That's the big driver of growth, as you said. Mondelez also has a presence here. Does that mean that Chicago's like the snack capital of North America? <laughs> it certainly appears to be that case, yes, uh, for sure. When, when you look at the all the major brands that come out of just those two, and that was the craft spinoffs from 
well, it's been almost 10 years since Kraft spun off Mondelez. But, yeah, you're talking a lot of snacks in the, uh, that are known globally, uh, right, uh, headquartered right in Chicago. And then very quickly, uh, the plant-based business uh, will be uh, – uh, uh, the, their flagship brand will be Morningstar Farms. Uh, interesting that there's uh, not a whole lot going on there, especially given the fact that uh, a number of restaurants are trying to run into the uh, into the plant-based space. Yeah, it was, it was a hot fad a, a few years ago, but Beyond Meat really hasn't really taken off. Its stock has really done nothing. And it's a really small piece of the pie of overall Kellogg right now, though. Morningstar Farm brands, and and it's possible that uh, they just spin that off or, or sell that part of the business off. It's it only generates about 350 million in annual revenue, so very very tiny relative to the 16 billion that Kellogg's generates. And then lastly, your recommendation for Kellogg stock? Uh, we, we have a hold on. It's a very solid core name. Uh, it's low growth, but now separating this out, uh, you're going to get three pieces here. Uh, that you can then focus on uh, to, to get baby better growth and focus on the snack business because um, we're always searching for growth. Nick Rach, CEO of the Earnings Scout in Cleveland, the website earningscout.com. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, an update on the apartment rental market in downtown Chicago. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's currently a landlord's market for apartments in downtown Chicago. Let's find out why from Albie Galoon, senior reporter with Crane Chicago Business. Albie, thanks for joining us today. It wasn't too long ago, and there were a lot of dire predictions about the real estate market uh, in downtown Chicago, especially north of the Loop in Streeterville and the Gold Coast. But it sounds like uh, that particular segment of the market has reached a full recovery. Yeah, the uh, the downtown apartment market is really strong these days, and it's really a function of uh, supply and demand. Demand is is very strong um, due to uh, a strong uh, job market, and developers um, developers kind of pumped the brakes uh, back during COVID and the early days of COVID, so they didn't start too many projects, and so um, there aren't that many new buildings that are opening up this year. And so that combination has led to um, a 19% increase in Class A rents through the end of the first quarter. So that's a huge, huge game. Is this enough to bring uh, other developers into the space either uh, to build new apartment buildings near downtown or uh, renovate office buildings to make them residential buildings? Yeah, it should. I mean, when you whenever you have rents go up like that, it um, it encourages developers to build. But, you know, we're kind of in a strange spot here. The, uh, you know, economy is very uncertain. We got high inflation, rising interest rates and, you know, concerns about a recession. So um, obviously it's going to cost developers more to build. And then there's just the question of whether lenders and investors are going to pull back and become more risk averse if the economy does slow down and and go into recession. So that's a big question mark hanging over the market right now. Who's moving in? Is it uh, the people who decamped for the suburbs at the beginning of COVID coming back into the city? Or is this uh, the Big Ten class of 2021 and 2022 uh, enjoying life in the big city? You know, I think it's a combination of things. Um, I think both your um, both your factors are probably um, are 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 an uh, issue. And you know, I think we're seeing we're seeing more people move 
downtown, like empty nesters. Uh, we're seeing with with companies, you know, still hiring. We're seeing out of towners move into the city, and you know, it's it's a little bit surprising to me. I'll admit because you know the whole work from home thing it still exists. A lot of people are working remote and hybrid schedules, so. The need to be close to an office in downtown Chicago is not as great as it was before COVID, but people still want to live in downtown Chicago. And that's also despite our rising crime in downtown Chicago. So, um, you know, those those are working against the market, but it's still very strong. Albie Galoon, senior reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, helping uh, navigating the often chaotic situation at airports these days. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The House Select Panel is hearing from local election officials who fended off pressure from former President Trump to overturn the 2020 election. A special report coming up from CBS News. In Travel Tuesday, these are trying times for air travelers in terms of both cost and reliability. And the topsy-turvy crypto market makes another move. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 615 points. The NASDAQ is up 316. The S&P 500 is up 94. AccuWeather says mostly sunny, breezy, intensely hot and more humid. A high today of 100. The heat index of 105 could break a record. It's 1231. CBS News Special Report. Another January 6th hearing is underway on Capitol Hill. Today's hearing will center on former President Trump's efforts to pressure state officials about the 2020 election results. Today, we'll show that what happened to Mike Pence wasn't an isolated part of Donald Trump's scheme to overturn the election. In fact, pressuring public servants into betraying their oaths was a fundamental part of the playbook. Chairperson of the January 6th House Select Committee, Democrat Benny Thompson. He wanted officials at the local and state level to say the vote was tainted by widespread fraud and throw out the results. The Republican vice chair of the committee, Liz Cheney. Donald Trump had a direct and personal role in this effort, as did Rudy Giuliani, as did John Eastman. CBS News Special Report. I'm Wendy Gillette. Hey, it's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in plus territory today. We're joined by Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital, based in Chicago. Jack, thanks for joining us today. Uh, this rally today, is it uh, simply a, a technical rally or is it a sign that uh, we may have uh, touched bottom? Um, it, you know, it's hard to say, Rob. You know, it, the... Enthusiasm was touched off by, you know, maybe it was President Biden. Maybe there's just a growing belief that we can tamp down inflation without sparking a recession. 
Uh, and so the most heavily shorted stocks are probably up the most today. Uh, so perhaps from that perspective, it's a little more technical than it than it is fundamental. The uh, the the biggest data point that uh, Team Soft Landing always points to is uh, consumer spending. Uh, despite the inflation, despite higher gas prices, the American consumer is willing to spend. They may gripe, but they're not really curtailing their plans all that much. With uh, President Biden hinting that he is going to. Uh, uh, potentially uh, waive the uh, federal gas tax for a little while to help uh, drivers dealing with high gas prices. Um, is that going to uh, make give, give the consumer even more power and potentially uh, add more inflationary pressure to the economy? Yeah, I mean, from that perspective, um, Rob, you're right. It's, you know, it's probably the wrong ingredient right now for trying to uh, tamp down demand uh, and, um and, you know, tamp down growth, um, giving uh, uh, the consumers a price discount on uh, oil, which is already pretty high, uh, is probably a step in the wrong direction. Um, obviously, you know, he's um, President Biden has different motivations and a different agenda. Um, but clearly, um, if he's just purely looking at inflation, uh, lowering the gas tax tax is probably the wrong thing to do. If what what number are you what number or numbers are you looking at these days? Uh, not only just to kind of tell the story of the markets as a whole, but also the economy. Sure. So you know, I'm watching. I mean, as everybody is, uh, inflation and and expected inflation, and we're starting to get a sense. At least economists. Uh, surveyed are starting to look for uh, lower inflation. Uh, they they believe that a survey of economists are predicting six and a half percent inflation in the fourth quarter and three and a half percent inflation by the middle of next year. And so that is an encouraging sign that perhaps you know some of this spending is going to roll over. We're seeing obviously the housing market you know cooling off very quickly. Um, autos also, um, you know, the, the demand there is, is waning. So, you know, perhaps, uh, that the slowdown and, and, uh, you know, ebbing demand will help push some of these prices down toward the end of this year. Jack Ablin, chief investment officer, Crescent Capital based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday. The cost of an airline ticket is soaring, and then there's no guarantee your flight won't be delayed or even worse, canceled. It's happening uh, seemingly every weekend now. Let's examine some of the things that you can control with Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of TravelingMom.com. Cindy, thanks for joining us today. If you're going to the airport, uh, maybe the old uh, the old advice about two hours before a domestic flight and three hours before an international flight, uh, you may want to pump up those numbers because uh, you don't know what you'll expect once you get there. Oh, it's so true. I've been on several planes to several states in the last two weeks, and the theme throughout all of the travel is delay. It's uh, You don't know if the flight's going to take off. You don't know if it's going to be delayed. You don't know if it's going to be canceled. So this is really more than anything. We've been talking about this for two years now, but you got to pack your patience and you've got to have a plan B. And uh, it would also make sense if you're traveling with children to probably pack an iPad or three uh, so they could <laughs> while away the time while you're at the uh, customer service desk. 
Yeah, and you know, if you've got little ones, the key is to find the empty gate in your, um, you know, at, at O'Hare and let the kids do laps around the seats. Don't do it at the gate with all the people in the bags, but find the one nearby where the kids can run and let them get a little of that energy out because, um, you know, the iPads only work for so long if they're little ones. I mean, obviously, if you're delayed, you just have to grin and bear it, and uh, hopefully you do uh, leave in a, in, a, in a relatively timely fashion. But what if you find out your flight's been canceled? Just because, you know, the, the, the flight's so far behind, uh, it can't get to Chicago in time, you got to make other accommodations. Uh, what can you do while also keeping your sanity intact? Well, so you want to, if you're at the airport already, you want to get in the service line, which if it's a local problem or just that flight, that line might not be too long. If it's a big problem, like a weather event across the big swath of the states, um, it's going to be terrible because there'll be a lot of flights. So while you're waiting in line, in, in a human line, get on the phone um, and be on your phone on the app as well. So between those three things, the app is likely to be fastest. Chances are the airline has already rebooked you on another flight, and it'll come up in your app and tell you where. Um, you can get on the phone. You might get a human um, at the reservation 800 number or toll-free number faster than you actually get up to a desk to talk to a person. But you want to do all those three lines of communication at the same time to see which one will get you going faster. And, you know, if, you've just, if you're planning a trip, like if you're going to fly over the 4th of July, it's couldn't hurt to call the airline now and just say, hey, you know, I have to be at my brother-in-law's by five o'clock on Saturday and my flight's due to land at three. So maybe I need to have an earlier flight. Can you help me? You know, they're making changes because they understand and, and you know, the, the um, administration is on top of them for canceling all these flights. So take advantage of that right now as a consumer and see if you can maybe Um, proactively protect yourself and get where you want to be. And the other thing is, this is no time to to book a connecting flight if you can help it. Even if you're, you know, you're closer to Rockford than you are to O'Hare and, you know, you like taking the puddle jumper in to connect at the airport, this might be the time to drive from Milwaukee or Rockford or Champaign rather than, than take uh, you know, a, a one-hour flight and then take a chance you're going to miss your connection at O'Hare. And then lastly, uh, as a parent, it may not be the most appealing thing in the world to wake your kids up at 3 a.m. so you can get to Midway by 4.30, but uh, getting that first flight of the day may be the smart play. Oh, it always is. If you look at the statistics, it's the one most likely to take off on time or as close to on time as possible. And the later you get in the day, the more likely you are for your flight to be delayed. You know, if you don't want to get the kids up at three, you know, think about putting into the budget a night at um, at an airport hotel, uh, you know, and then you can get up maybe at four and take the free shuttle from the airport to O'Hare. They'll drop you right at your gate. You don't have to be trying to find a parking place when you're uh, bleary eyed from no sleep. Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of thetravelingmom.com, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, tracking the roller coaster ride of crypto. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
Bitcoin is rebounding today, which is helping lead other cryptocurrencies higher. We welcome in Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, thanks for joining us today. When it comes to Bitcoin, it's clear the bubble has burst, or at least the bubble that uh, was inflated uh, in 2020 and 2021. Where do we go from here? Well, good afternoon, Robin. Thanks for having me on. You know, you say the bubble has burst. Well, I, I would say that would be the case in all asset classes that, you know, um, everything is trading 20 to 50 to 80 percent lower than it was a year ago. And, you know, it was just a time of very easy money and people had made a lot of money in crypto and kept rolling it into more bets, uh, both in crypto and in other assets. And now we sit here in the middle of 22 with Bitcoin down two-thirds of its value, stock market's down 20-plus percent in the S&P 500. So we've, we've had a, a bubble burst in everything, and the question is, where, as you mentioned, is where do we go from here? I would say in Bitcoin, because of what happened over this weekend, and we obviously had some very big force sellers that took the, the coin down below 20000 actually below 18000 which is really hard to believe that it happens in a long holiday weekend like that. But but it bottomed there, bounced back over 20. 20 looks like a solid, uh, at least short-term uh, floor. And right now we're, we're rallying back. So I think the trade right here, if, if, if you're a short-term player, is that it goes higher. I would just caution investors that, first of all, MGP Capital, we are, we're long-term investors. So we look at things like Bitcoin and we're, we're long Ether. Um, you know, we look at them in, in long term, okay? So we're not looking at day-to-day movement. But if you are a short-term player, as a lot of those, a lot of the folks are, I think the play right now is to the upside. But there's going to be big, big uh, resistance around 23,000, 23,500. That was the last, last uh, little uh, war they had um, a few weeks ago, and it, it went, went to the downside. So there's resistance up there. But because of what happened over this weekend, it appears that there is definitely uh, room to run to the upside as there's some people that are trying to get back in that probably missed that dip. So that's my, my call in the short term. But again, we're not short-term traders. We, we look at things long-term, but, but certainly it looks like Bitcoin has room to run to the upside here short-term. And then very quickly, what does the space look like uh, with the speculators out of there, the influencers gone, and the celebrity uh, commercials that ran during the Super Bowl? If that's been chased away by the uh, decline in Bitcoin value. What does the space look like now with uh, everyone out? Well, it certainly rhymes with uh, the, the Y2K uh, go-go uh, NASDAQ days, doesn't it? Um, same type of thing happened. The question is, are we completely out of, out of the problem? And I would say no. Um, so I, I think there is further downside risk. But I, like I said, in the short term, I think, I think we, we're going higher. The question is how many more weak hands are in Bitcoin that need to get out if, if we dip back below 20,000? We're going to find out probably, and then we'll see. But uh, certainly right now in the short term, I, I think it's a buy, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. But that's the difference between Bitcoin and gold. Gold, you don't have these things happening, okay? You don't have somebody levered long gold and has to get out, and, and the thing drops 20%. But that's what you get with crypto. So... Uh, if you're willing to stomach these th- these moves and you're a long-term uh, bull, then I would just say hold on here. 
Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 